Hello, it's great to be here today. It's a real privilege to be here and have the opportunity to bring forth the Word of God today. You know, quick, I'm sure you guys all got there. My name is Aaron Moon, and just to get to know, hopefully to help you get to know me a little bit, I have been married 26 years to my wife, and uh, yes, amen, pray for her. She just sent me a text a minute ago. She was watching the live stream. I don't know if she's watching again. I doubt that. But she was <laughs> sending me the text. Now, what's interesting about my wife, I have to tell you something about her. So her middle name is Sunshine. <laughs> so that's kind of fun, right? So her full name is Victoria Sunshine Moon. <laughs> so she was sharing the other day. She was sharing at a conference. And uh, she said her name was God-ordained. I was like, wow. So she said, Victoria, any Victorias here? Yeah, there's one. It's victorious, right? She says it's victorious. And so she said also that she is the sunshine. She was the light to be the light of the world. And then moon, she married into the moon. So now she is a reflection of the sun, Jesus Christ. I was like, that's pretty neat. So I started thinking about that. I'm like, that's, that's pretty neat. So what about me? I'm like, what about my name? So my name is Aaron Levi Moon. So what would you think? I think I, I come up with this. I said, so I would be the messenger, right, of the high priest. So Aaron Levi. And I would be a reflection of the son, Jesus Christ. So just to get to know me a little bit and my family. Uh, we also have four children. And so we're blessed. Two of my oldest children are at Liberty University in Virginia. So I don't know where you're moving. Yeah, you got any, I'm, but there's some alumni here. Or? I, I'm a Liberty. Oh, nice. Uh, so my two oldest are there. And then my two younger ones are in back in Chiang Mai, Thailand with my wife right now. So again, my oldest, my son, and then three younger daughters. We planned it that way. It worked out well. So... <laughs> So as uh, Pastor Rick shared, we are currently in Thailand. I pastor a church there. And before that, I was in Myanmar. And before that, I don't know if any of you are familiar, before that, I was in Indianapolis. And so I went to Bible College in Indianapolis. I served under Bill Goodrich, Calvary Chapel there in Indianapolis for many years before I went into the mission field and to Burma, then to Thailand. So, you know... As I was praying, as I was studying, I was thinking, like, what can I share? Uh, coming in as a guest speaker here the week of the conference and thinking of what passages I could teach. And it brought me to ask a question that I wanted to bring before you is, what do you, would you say is the most basic aspect or quality or character of being a Christian? But also... In the same breath with a similar question, what is the hardest aspect or command from Jesus as it is to follow in your daily life? The answer is the same. And so again, this is going to be the subject of today, the topic of today's message. So think about that question. What is the single most difficult thing to follow in your life as a follower of Jesus? Think about that. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, this privilege that we can just come here today, Lord, in this building, in this place, in your church, and just study your word, to worship you through the study of your word. Lord, as I know, many of us came in through these doors with many things on our minds and distractions. And Lord, I just pray right now, we just set all these things aside, Lord, and we just come before you in the study of your word. So Lord, I just pray that your spirit would move and that each of us, Lord, would just be here from you, not from me, but be taught through your word. And we learn a little bit more today, Lord, about who you are, who we are, and who we should be in you. So Lord, I praise you and I thank you. And all God's people said... Everyone got your Bibles? You're going to need your Bibles. So as I talked about the command or a laws or you can say, we think about, what do you think about? You think about the Ten Commandments, right? You think back, what are the commands given to us by God? We think about the Ten Commandments. And so you look back and you can think about, then what are the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments were actually a summary. If you look back, there was like 613 different commands in the Old Testament law. If you look at all the different things that are back there. Then you look at the Ten Commandments. And the first four of the Ten Commandments are all based on our relationship with God, with the Father, right? Who, how to base that. Then the next six, we obviously needed more commandments to help us understand how our relationship should be with others around us, with the people around us. So again, we also know that these Ten Commandments were given to us by God to help us realize our need for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right, that mark was set, and we all know each day that we do our best, and we kind of come up short, but in that, we know now where that mark is, and we know our need for Jesus. I want to turn to a few scriptures before we get into the main passages. If you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 7. You know, as you turn there, our church was birthed in Chiang Mai about two and a half years ago. And it's interesting as I'm here and learning about you guys, our church is very similar because as we have started to build the church there, Kevin and I, um, everything that we do has been based on this model here. So it's kind of interesting as I see all the differences, but all the similarities. So every time we walk through something, we're like, Kevin's like, oh, in Okinawa, this is how we dealt with this. This is how we do it. So it's interesting as many of the things are very similar here. Uh, Romans 7, 7 through 12, as we're talking about the commands and the law of God. Romans 7, 7. Well then, am I suggesting the law of the Lord is sinful? Of course not. In fact, if it was the law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting was wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetousness desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without the understanding, without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me and used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. So God's law reveals our sin. And with that, through that, we can come to understand again that through that we are in desperate, desperate need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. And we come to him through faith. 
Then in the New Testament, as we know about the Ten Commands in the Old Testament, we see that for all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, Jesus also gives us many different commands. And I'd like to go over seven different commands that I believe that God gives us. Now, the first one's what we all know is to repent and believe, right? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to first begin with repenting of your sins and believe and place your faith in Jesus Christ. But then he gives six others that each of us should be following as Christians to be baptized. We know that's a command. We also know that if we are a Christian, we should pray. That's number three. That's an aspect of being a Christian. Also, Jesus commands us to go and make disciples. That's a command from Jesus. Also, he commands us to love, which is going to be the topic of the message today. Also, we're, we're doing this today. We're going to take communion, the Lord's Supper. That's a command from Jesus. The seventh one is where to give. And now, when I say give, everyone, you kind of think offerings or money. That's a very, very small part. We're to give us a living sacrifice each and every day. And every single part of who we are before our King. So these commands are given to us by Jesus and obedience to these commands shouldn't come. It should be because just come through us because of who he is and how much he loves us and how much we love him. We don't just do these things at obligation. We do do them out of obedience, but we do these things because we love Jesus and he loves us. And that's why we choose to do this. So again, we had the 10 commandments and then we see in the new Testament, we still have the new commandments by the way, then go away. But we also have these commands from Jesus, right? To live out our lives in faith, to be baptized, to be in prayer, to be making disciples, to love him and to love others. Don't forget that part. That's what we're going to talk about to observe the Lord's supper and to give. So simply in love, we should be obedient to each of these each and every day. So again, it comes back to my question. What is the hardest command as I went through in your life to live out? In John 13, let's turn to John 13. I turned right to it. John 13, 34. Oh, it's one page off. 13, 34. Look at two verses. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. For me, and I think most everyone, there maybe is an exception, I don't know. Most everyone loving others, and I mean all others, as Jesus has loved me, is one of the things that I struggle with. Now there's people like my wife, she's easy to love most of the time, right? But there's other people in our life, right, that it's hard to love. And it's hard to love often because of some of the things that's happened in our lives. There's people in our lives that have hurt us, that are not, they're just not nice people. There's lots of people out in our lives. Yet Jesus says here that we're to love all these people as Christ has loved us. Extending that same grace, that same mercy, that same forgiveness that each of us have received from him. 
Now, as we say this, it's an impossibility. Truly, it is. Um, I, I, we're just not capable. But this is how we do grow in our faith as Christians. Now, going back to that list, I also want to, just a reminder, just to recap on that list that I gave, the seven commands from Jesus. I just want to be sure that these are not requirements of a, to be a Christian. These are things that we should do as a Christian. The only command in that list that is a qualification to be a Christian is to repent and to believe. But then after we have repented and believed in love for Christ, we will follow his commands. So I want to make sure that this isn't a checklist, right? It is, but it's not. It is only by faith that we are saved. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, I'll just read it. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So if we are born again, if we are followers of Jesus, we will seek to follow out his commands that's given to us. And we will do this out of our love for him. Now, Remember, we talked John 13. We just went over that verse a minute ago as Jesus was talking about love and how we will be known by our love. Now, what had just happened right before that? Judas. Judas had just walked out of the room to go betray Jesus. And then the very, as that conversation progressed, as he left that area, Jesus then immediately goes in and speaks to the disciples and says, love one another. And I find that interesting. I find that very intentional that Jesus brought that up immediately as Judas was leaving to go portray them. You know, Jesus, it's amazing. You think Jesus knew the entire time and loved him. And when we're called to love as Christ is loved, what an example is given. Now, as I shared, I alone am not capable to love people, love my enemy I hope we don't really have enemies out there, but to love others as Christ has loved me. I'm not capable. I don't, maybe I'm just not capable, but praise the Lord. God knew that, right? Jesus knew that. In Philippians 4.13, he said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So the, through the Holy Spirit, we can love as Christ has loved. The Holy Spirit will give us strength and we can in faith. And I think that's the important part. In faith, we can love others outwardly as much as inwardly because it's a step. It's a process, right? It's step by step. You don't just automatically just love someone. It's a process. You take a step by step and it's through faith and faith in knowing who Christ is and what he can do in you that you can love others in the way that Christ has loved you. It doesn't happen like that. You know, forgiveness, it doesn't happen like that, but you take that first steps in obedience to God's word because of who Jesus is and how much he loved you. And you start that in faith and through that Holy Spirit in you, he will do things in your heart that we just can't do. We just can't do. You know, that dying to self, right? That daily, daily getting up and just saying, Lord, here I am. That's a big part of loving others. It's just saying, I lay it all down. I don't care the hurt they've caused me. I don't care that they've done to me. I don't care how they offended. I don't care about my pride. I'm going to love these people like you've loved me. It's something I have to do daily. I can't. It just, some people, hourly. But Matthew 21, this huge introduction, right? So we're going to go through the passages actually pretty quick. Matthew 21. As you think about the questions... 
So Matthew 21, if you turn to your Bibles, we're just going to do a super quick review just to catch up since I'm kind of jumping in here. In Matthew 21, you just turn there, we're just going to skim through this real quick. So what's happened is Jesus and the disciples, they were in Jerusalem. It's Passover. It's the week of his crucifixion. Jesus has arrived there and he caused quite the stir we know, right? Knocking over tables, healing the sick, proclaiming to be God, proclaiming to be the Messiah, which as he's done this in chapter 21 here, and then also we know there's three parables. You can see them there, right? You can see the fig tree. Um, he curses the fig tree. You can see the parable of the two sons. Parable, and turn just to page 22. Uh, in 21, parable of the two sons, parable of the evil farmers, the end of 21. And then each of these parables, they were directed at these religious leaders, rebuking them for their lack of faith, for their lack of acknowledgement of who Jesus was, of their lack of, I mean, they need to repent of this, right? But then these religious leaders, after these rebukes and these parables, they come back at Jesus with three questions. And we see in the scriptures. And so these questions here, it starts here. You got the, the coin, right? Whose coin is it? We know that parable, right? They're trying to trick Jesus again, but Jesus responded back in an amazing way. Second question was about the resurrection, right? The Sadducees come to him, right? About the wives and this going on. But then Jesus came back to them and said that we must know the word of God. And if we know the word of God, we will understand the power of God through the word. So these religious leaders and Jesus have had quite the discussions going on back and forth, right? And they were still pretty upset as Jesus has each time they tried to kind of trap him, he's rebuked them and outsmarted them. So today we get the third question really is what we're getting. And that starts here in verse 34. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. Now these Pharisees, you know, the Sadducees, they were always kind of fighting amongst each other. So I'm sure these Pharisees kind of enjoyed as Jesus had just silenced the Sadducees, right? But they're always at each other's throats. And Jesus had just rebuked them, right? He said, so he is the God of the living and not the dead. So now we have the third question in this series of questions, like three, three, three. It's kind of interesting how it's all worked out. Again, these religious leaders, they're trying to trick Jesus in answering it in a manner that would set him up for an arrest, really, is what they were looking for. So I always like to say, put yourself in the story. It's Tuesday. It's Passover week. You're in the temple. There's thousands of people around, right? It's Passover. So you can imagine yourself there. Everyone's in their different groups doing the different things. Jesus is there. The religious, different sects of the religious leaders are all kind of there. Jesus had just rebuked them all. So imagine yourself there and let's see what's going to happen. Look at verse 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. So of all these people now, and this has gone on for several hours, one man has stepped up and he's heard this and he's seen how Jesus has repeatedly defended himself and he stepped up, this scribe or this attorney. Now, I'm sure this guy actually respected Jesus. He's watched these conversations take place, but he's ready now to present to Jesus a question of his own. Now, this guy was very educated and at this point, it was probably this man was probably the best hope they had, these Pharisees, to try to trick Jesus. So 36, his question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of 
Moses? This was a big question. Remember, they had all these commands. We talked about it. There's 613 originally that these religious groups, they would always discuss among themselves and argue about, right? This question, it wasn't uncommon. It was something they would do all the time, endless discussions. But his purpose was trying to trap Jesus. Again, we know that. You know, I thought about it myself. Do we ever look at sin that way ourselves? Like, look at it. Is there like a severity, right? Is one sin worse than the other? And I think about our societies that we live in, there is differences, right? I mean, we live in society. There's like first degree crimes, second degree crimes, third degree crimes. But we know spiritually speaking, sin is sin. And it's sin, one sin that separates us from God. But it's interesting that I thought about it as I would, if I was to ever rate sins, which you shouldn't rate sins. Typically you think of these gross outlying sins, right? Yet for me, Pride is probably the single sin I, I deal with the most for me personally. And yet God detests that. So it's interesting as we can look outside and look at other people's things. Oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. Yet pride for me, even in saying that, is the one sin that God detests. So we got to be careful. Anyways, let's look at verse 37 through 38. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 38. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Jesus perfectly understood all of the commands that's ever been given in scripture. He understands their intention, their purpose, um, their core meaning, and how they should be applied. The answer in all of that was love. It was always about love. When you break it all down, it's about love. The core of everything that we should do should be about love. You know, sometimes maybe some of, I've looked at like something in my life. I'm like, is this sinful? Is this wrong? Is this right? If you break it down and look, is this loving God? Is this loving others? It comes down to the answer most often in our lives. Let's look. Verse 39 through 40 has more to say about this. A second and equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You know, I thought about this. If we are truly loving God and loving others as Jesus has required us, the Ten Commandments are pretty easy to follow, aren't they? If you're loving God as we are commanded, we should have, we will have no other gods, right? If you're loving God. If you're loving God, you're not going to be worshiping false gods. If you're loving God, you're never going to take his name in vain because you love him. If you're loving God, you're going to keep the Sabbath day holy because you want to spend time with him. Whatever that day may be. If you love others, your neighbor, if you love others as we are called to love others, we are going to honor our parents. That's part of loving others. We're not going to murder other people for loving others as we're supposed to be loving them. We're not going to be committing adultery. We're not going to be stealing from others. We're not going to be lying. And we're not going to be coveting other people's things if we are loving others as Christ has taught us to love. It simplifies the commands, doesn't it, in our life. Love others. Love God, love others. Yet, I personally still struggle greatest to love others. Now, in Mark chapter 12, there's an interesting story we'll turn to real quick. So we turn there. I wish I had a sweater. 
I see some of you out there like this, and I'm like, oh. praise the Lord for air conditioning. Mm. Mark chapter 12, verse 32. The teacher of the religious law replied, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying there is one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart, all my understanding, and all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important to offer than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. This man understood what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. So we've learned from this text that Jesus expects each of us to love him and to love others. And we're to love with all of our hearts, souls, and our minds, which is amazing. But now we gotta, we're going to go through these other verses really quick. But Jesus has a question now. He has a question. Well, let's finish up. 42, the entire law and all the demands of prophets are based on it. Now 41, uh, let's go, yeah, 41 through, we'll just read the whole thing. 41 through 46, back in Matthew 22. Then surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, he is the son of David. Jesus responded, then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord, for David said. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at the right hand until I humble your enemies beneath my feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. After that, he dared not to ask any more questions. So there's a very simple interpretation of what this verse means. Jesus is explaining to him again. Just He is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is God. And when you look at this, he is both the root and the offspring of David. You know, when it says the first Lord in this, the first Lord is Yahweh, if you look it up. Then you look, the second Lord in it is Adonai. So it's, again, it's speaking of who he is. And it continues. Now, we should really look at this and understand that as he's speaking to them, I mean, even if you turn to Acts, we don't have to turn there. Acts chapter 2, verse 29 to 30, Peter used this same type of sermon to explain to these Jewish people who Jesus was. Now back to my question. What is the hardest command for each of us to follow? And I think about this and I think that, you know, we talked about we're supposed to pray, right? We're supposed to take communion. Well, that brings me to communion. We're going to take communion. And part of taking communion is we're going to do in a little bit is examining ourselves and examining our relationship first with God and then with others. And we have to ask the questions, are we loving others as Jesus has loved us? Or maybe there's somebody in our lives that we're holding something against. And as we look at this, Jesus outlines this here, how we're supposed to do this. He starts with to love others with all of our hearts. And you think about what is your heart? How do you love someone with your heart? This is the way Jesus is saying, we love him, we love others with our hearts. I think of our hearts as, this is the place of our emotions, our feelings, right? We're not talking about our actual heart. 
But here, this is where our feelings come from. It's where uh, outwardly, like when we have emotions, they'll sometimes come out physically. You know, we can come out with smiles, with tears. Uh, but our hearts is where this comes through. So how do we love with our hearts? How do you love others? You feel, have feelings? You have emotions? What is it to love with your soul? That's an interesting one as I studied that. He says, love with your soul. What is that? I kind of, you know, I struggled as I looked into that. And I think the first part of our loving with our soul is to make a decision about where our soul is going to go, right? To make that confession to Jesus, to call upon him as Lord of our life, to place our faith in him. You know, our soul, as we think of our bodies, right? And everything that we are is eternal, right? We have these physical bodies, but they'll pass away. But our soul is eternal, So if we're to love God, we're not just to love him with our physical body, but we're to love him with our soul. It's like all, it's who we are. But then he continues and he says that we're all supposed to love Jesus with our minds. How do you love someone with your mind? You know, that your mind to me is like our intellect, right? It's how we learn. That's how we get knowledge. We read our Bibles, right? We learn more in our minds and we have wisdom. We educate ourselves through many ways, but hopefully through studying his word. So we love God through studying his word. And then after we study our word and we get the knowledge of his word, we also then can apply wisdom, which comes from our minds. And then through that, we can go out and share the good news. You know, for me, I thought about this. I think loving with my mind, with my intellect, is one of the more important things for me. Somebody's like, well, you think you like love with your heart, right? With your feelings, which that's, that's true. I mean, that's our outward expression comes through our feelings, our emotions. That's how we love. But we also know for me, especially I believe is my emotions don't always reveal truth in my life. They trick me at times. And sometimes when I'm facing hard times, difficult times, even, you know, just times of discouragement. Um, my emotions are up. My feelings are up. But in my mind, what I've put in there through the study of his word is the foundational truth of God's word. So when I can love God through my mind, I know the foundational truth of who he is and who I am in him. And that's what gets me through a lot of hard times. Because if I just base on emotions and how I'm feeling sometimes, I can get, always go back to the word of God and know the absolute truth. I want to give you a quote from David Guzik. I don't know if you guys quote David Guzik. Do you quote much David Guzik here? I like David Guzik. I'll give you a quote on this from him. He said, perfectly understanding the essence of the law, Jesus had no difficulty answering. Instead of promoting one command over another, Jesus defined the law in its core principles. Love the Lord with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. If we are truly loving God, we will love his people and love everyone around us with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind as Jesus has commanded us to do. And in turn, we won't have a, if we're doing that, we, sh- we won't have any other problems following the Ten Commandments, of course. So we know that God has revealed himself to us through what we call the Trinity, Right? triune God. It's a way that we attempt to describe how we have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? So we call that the Trinity. 
And what I see here is I named this message of the Trinity of love because it's how Jesus, the example he's given us is how we should love. He said, love your Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. The three parts of what makes us, right? Who we are standing here today, right? Our physical, our emotional, and our intellectual. So God wants us to love him and others with every part of our being. Is I think really what it comes down. You can break all these up. What it comes down to, he wants every part of us to love and love others. And we are to hold nothing back. Jesus is our example we see. And sometimes, you know, I love God. And you say, oh, that's easy. I tell you, love people. Well, some people are hard to love. And some people have done some really nasty, nasty, rotten things in our lives. Really bad things. And they're hard. It's really hard. And again, I can't do that on my own. But God can do that. And he can do that through you. And it's not something that just... Wow, I love that person. It's all better. It's something daily we surrender before him. But this is what God has commanded us to do. If we hold nothing back, we will be following Jesus' example. To love someone without reservation. That's hard to do. That's what Jesus did for us. We know that. He gave his life. So again, we're supposed to love with all of our hearts, souls, and mind. A complete picture of who we are. Also, you could say you're loving with your feelings, your service, and your obedience to him. Let me pray, and we're going to take communion. And again, as I pray, I ask that we reflect on that question, especially before we take communion. Heavenly Father, Lord, as I present this question, Lord, what is the hardest command you've given us, Lord? And for me so often, Lord, is to love others as you've loved us. But Lord, I know, Lord, as you've given us this command, Lord, you've not left us incapable of that, Lord, because you and your scripture tell us in Philippians 4.13 that for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And Lord, through your empowerment of your Holy Spirit, through your indwelling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you have given us the strength that we can love others in faith, love others in outwardly, And Lord, it starts, Lord, with each of us truly surrendering this to you each and every day saying, Lord, I want to love. I want to love as you've loved me. And I know, Lord, that I'm not capable on my own to love in the manner that you've loved, to forgive as you've forgiven, to walk without reservation, to trust you. Lord, for me so often to love others is to trust you. To love others is to place my faith in you. To love others is for me to walk in obedience to your word. So Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be able to love as you've commanded us to love. And you would just break, break free from any of us that are struggling not to walk in this command. In Jesus' name, amen.